0: Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports.
1: 1-1 pitch, fastball and the corner. Get up, Bob! Get up!
0: Get out of here! Got a fantasy question? Email Baseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy
1: becomes
0: reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. All right, we are getting ready for Fantasy Week. Got, what is it? 21? 22! Okay, 22. Yeah. I am in a excuse me, bad fantasy baseball mood. A BFBM. Everybody's like, who is this? Who is this new guy? Uh, yeah, oh yeah, that's right. Chris isn't on the show today, Chris. <laughs> Good call. Chris Welch, not on the show today. Um, I don't think he's gonna be on the show tomorrow, but Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night, which will be Wednesday. Thursday, Friday morning, Chris will be hosting those shows. Yeah, uh, and you guys I'll kind of tagging out. I might Tag be, uh, I might be on some of them. You know, and I'll be on the next the, the, you know, next week, like a week from now, whatever. Um, okay. So anyway, I lost a semifinals of a league that ends very early. Finals are next week. I lost. I'm so I'm, I'm really disappointed because I had a, the best or the second best team. I guess second best team. I mean, let's give credit to the guy who had the most points. But you know, the two semifinals. I, we, you know, me and my opponent, my opponent and I, we crushed the other two teams, but you know, that's how it goes. Just bad luck. Uh, I was sitting there. If I had just gotten another lousy home run from Charlie Blackman or Nolan Arenado, I would have won. But, you know, they only hit a combined three today instead of a combined four. I don't know. I'm just disappointed. And I think I didn't even check today, but I'm, I'm assuming that our team scam was eliminated from the playoffs today.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was breaking down our team earlier and kind of trying to assess what went wrong. And it it's hard to figure. We got we got two of the hitters who are probably going to be top 5 picks in this league last year next year in Cody Bellinger and Ronald no, Acuña.
0: It's not hard to figure. I know exactly what went wrong. What went wrong? Chris Sale, Chris Sale killed us. Well, some weeks he did, but considering like he was so
2: up and like so dramatically up and down, you'd figure some weeks he made
0: us, right? Uh yeah, yeah. And look, we didn't have a bad team. We had a round five hundred team, and we're gonna miss the playoffs by just a few games, I imagine. So it's a it's a sixteen team league, and I think seven teams make the playoffs. I well, imagine we'll we'll be top ten.
2: So we got those two, obviously, for much less than they're worth now. We got Glaber Torres for much less than he's worth now. Uh, I th- I think we were very high in all the offensive categories last time I looked at the league rankings, but yeah, just I, our top three starting pitchers. And keep in mind, this was a a sixteen-team league, so right. you know how good could your pitching staff be, really? But our top three pitchers were Chris Sale, Masahiro Tanaka, and Joe Musgrove, and they all had kind of that oh yeah uh, that two-faced mentality going on. Where even if two were great one week, just one guy having the way the bad starts went for those three would be enough to wreck you an ERA and whip. And that's what frustrates me about this format is a bad start does so much harm. It's just really hard to recover from.
0: I think our team started doing better when we just went with good relievers. We didn't even worry about saves necessarily. We just, we had Lugo, Andres Munoz, Gallegos, who was bad today, but you know, we and just kind keep
2: threatening to do that, like from beginning to end, and we we don't do it. Yeah, <laughs> we, we always kind of like back into it.
0: Well, that's the thing. You don't have to start that way, because I don't think it's the well. most. I don't, but I don't think it's the highest upside strategy. You know, if it's you want to, if you want to win it's your not. league, having if if sale had been sale, I think we would have certainly made the playoffs and had a chance to win the league. But we pivoted, and you can do that in head-to-head categories leagues. You can do that, and I'm doing it successfully right now in our 12-team roto league or I've really climbed the standings I I'm not going to win. You know, right now I'm in 5th place. Scotts in 6th and Heath is in 7th, but I've gone way up since the All-Star break because I am just not starting any starting pitchers who I'm not in love with like Max Fried, Merrill Kelly on my bench today. Kelly had a 158 ERA today and he got a win, but he had a 1-4-1 whip. He had just five strikeouts. Like I start high I start really good relief pitchers. It's really helped with my ratios, and it's something that I'm going to be a lot more open minded to in any type of categories, whether it's head day, whether it's weekly or, or yeah. Just road no, out. I
2: think I think I I think that might be the way to go. As as uh, much potential as home runs have to sabotage uh, the problem is, right. and I've talked about this before. By the time like, as much volatility as there is at starting pitcher, there's even more so at reliever, because that's the way it always is. And, and, you know, like a guy I've leaned on heavily in my deeper categories leagues, um, Giovanni Gallegos. I mean, he wasn't even on the radar. Come, like, it takes a while to figure out who you're going to trust, and there were plenty of guys who I thought, okay, he looks dominant, I'm going to roll with him, and then it just implodes right away. So it's 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 not necessarily... Like, if you know what's going to happen,
0: yeah, <laughs> I guess it's better that way, but you don't. You don't. All right, well, let's uh, let's talk about getting you ready for week 22. Give me one hitter or, you know, several hitters that you consider adding. So, there aren't a lot. I think
2: one who, you know, got lost in maybe the Gio Urshela, Mike Tauchman, um Aristides, uh, Aquino. what was his last name? Aquino. Aquino. Aquino, yeah. Uh-huh. What, what, what got lost in, in the hype surrounding all of them last week was Willie Calhoun. And uh, he's still only 61% owned, playing virtually every day for the Rangers, bumping Chu and Pence out of the lineup more regularly. And uh, really good strikeout rate, really good home run pace, uh, You know, a good batting average floor because the strikeouts are so low. He hasn't exactly been hot in August, but he has four home runs already this month. And the Rangers play eight games this upcoming week. So I think if you haven't hopped aboard Willie Calhoun yet, now is a good time to do so.
0: Okay. And I've got a bunch of hitters who, you know, like deep leagues, I think they're more relevant. Austin Nola is really not bad. And he's like 8% owned. You can look at him. He homered today. He's a home run in two straight games. He's not going to win your league, but 8% owned. Tommy Edmond is playing just about every day for St. Louis, and he's batting first or second. Uh, Mar Gonzalez is hot right now. There are some guys like Greg Allen is playing more. And if you're, this is specifically if you're a Mercado owner. If the Indians have a lot of righties this week, I don't know what the situation is. I'm not sure Mercado's going to play that much because Allen seems to be the guy that they start against righties, and they faced a the lefty on both on Saturday and Sunday against the Yankees, and Mercado had good games. But just it's something to keep in mind, and Allen has some speed. He's not a very good hitter, but uh, he's becoming a factor. And then, like, Kyle Seeger is one of the hottest hitters in baseball. Kyle Seeger last year was terrible. Two years ago was okay. The three years before that, he, he was like a 270-ish hitter with 25 to 30 home runs. It, look, he's kind, you know what? He's kind of like Kipnis, I guess, in that he's having a bit of a revival and uh, worth mentioning at least. But I will say that I really have not looked at hitters uh, lately. Uh, you know, after the Aquino, JD Davis, etc. Et yeah. Run, I haven't really looked at hitters. Uh, and, and JD much this Davis
2: week. is still only fifty-eight percent owned, so maybe we should tout him again. Although he's dealing with a calf issue,
0: doesn't seem like it's a big deal. Doesn't seem like an IL stint. No, he's pinch hit two days in a row, so I I assume JD Davis will be a player for you this week. But what do you think about Kyle Seeger?
2: Yeah, he's interesting because like in in, in the context of there's no one else to talk about. Like yeah. I, I feel <laughs> like the ceiling's pretty low. Um, but he has been hot lately and if and, and a low ceiling in today's environment still means, you know, twenty five homer pace in all likelihood, rest of way. So, yeah, I mean, it it just seems limited to deep leagues, but he's he's somebody who's who's having an impact in I guess to a degree. What do you think about Nick Ahmed? I think he's kind of undervalued, but I understand why he's undervalued. And he did have kind of a home run binge here over the past week. Mm -hmm. In a way that I think is backed up by the supporting numbers like he's he started out as just a defensive specialist and then kind of surprised with some power production the past couple years and it just seems to get keep getting better as an offensive player makes a lot of contact. Uh, We were talking last week about Fernando Tatis replacements and you know I was saying. I mean when you get to shortstops on the waiver wire, it still looks pretty gross, but there's so many quality shortstops like there's a good chance you have your backup shortstop on your roster already. It's just there's so there's a lot of good shortstops. They're all widely owned, but if not Nick Ahmed is somebody you could look at and I think he could be respectable. I mean he has I think he has about 350 fantasy points. And I know that's just a weird number to throw out with no context, but that's a lot of fantasy points.
0: <laughs> Yeah, he's having a decent year. Nick Ahmed is Arizona's shortstop. He's 48% owned. And here's the best thing I've seen from Nick Ahmed. Pre-All-Star break, he had 24 walks to 70 strikeouts. 24 walks, 70 strikeouts. Since the break, 18 walks to 16 strikeouts. So that's really something to keep an eye on going into next year. I can I can give you two examples of players who improve their plate discipline at the end of a season and had their best season the year after. One is happening right now, Xander Bogarts. And two, last year, Didi Didi Gregorius, at the end of 2017, improved his plate discipline. And it carried over at least into the beginning of 2018. I don't remember exactly how 2018 went with plate discipline, but he still had his best year. So it will be something to keep an eye on with Ahmed. Much, much better plate discipline since the break. And he's been a top five shortstop over the last month. So
2: just to throw some specifics out there, five of eight games... Ahmed is homered in that brings him up to 16 which equals his career high set last year so I would assume he's gonna hit between finish with between uh you know maybe like 21 or something like that
0: well that's a that's a lot for him from now to the end of the season considering that five of his 16 home runs have come in the last eight days yeah Uh, what I'm saying I feel like uh what did I see
2: Was researching so many players here, getting ready for the show. Um. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. I. I think. I don't know. I don't know what it was. I saw. I'm gonna
0: take the under on 20. But I think there might be something else that you know might be a little bit more there. Uh, So would you rather have um, Nick Ahmed or Luis Arias of the Twins? I'd rather have Ahmed. Okay. I uh, also want to mention Josh Rojas. He is 14% owned. I believe he stole a base today. He did. And I think that makes him one for two. Yeah, he's one for two in seven games. So if you need some steals, Josh Rojas of the Diamondbacks. Okay, how about a pitcher to add or some pitchers to add, Scott? I mean, there's more interesting stuff happening at closer
2: right now than emerging starting pitchers. Uh, there were... There were a couple of exciting pitching performances over the weekend, and we'll we'll get into them, I'm sure. But the the pitcher I'm adding most aggressively right now is Mark Melanson, who got the save both Saturday and Sunday. Um, And it looks like the Braves' bullpen is beginning to stabilize. Shane Green struck out the side in a perfect eighth on Saturday to set up Melanson. Martin, Green, Melanson each worked a perfect inning on Sunday. And uh, I mean, Melanson should be fine. He's I'm not going to say he's never going to be at risk of imploding and losing his job to one of those other two again. But it's it's just kind of a dice throw when you're talking about a reliever who's not like 12 K per nine in this environment like anybody's susceptible to getting mashed one week and suddenly his job's in jeopardy again. I don't think Melanson's any more or less susceptible than anyone else in that regard.
0: Yeah, I. But the same ownership percentage are very similar. Would you rather have Seth Lugo or Mark Melanson? I mean, Seth Lugo just gave up five earned runs, two outings. Yeah, but ago. he's been so good. Three outings ago, Melanson was terrible, and we were wondering who yeah. was going to get the next save. Now, Lugo got a save on Saturday. Edwin Diaz was most likely unavailable. He had pitched two straight days. Diaz pitched again today, and Lugo did not. So, I think yeah. it's I think it's clearer. I think if you're gonna say like who is the closer, Melanson is is clearer, you know, more clearly the Braves closer than Lugo is the Mets closer. Yeah. Um,
2: however, and I, I think he'll be in a better scenario for saves. Yeah, it's probably pretty close, but regardless, I, I would definitely take Melanson between those two. Okay. Now, what might be an interesting conversation is Melanson versus Emilio Pagán, who is more owned, but still only sixty-seven percent. I I'd take Pagán. Yeah, I think I would too. It's it's. Even with everybody healthy again, it's looking like Pagan is the guy. Yeah, but I have less. I still have less confidence in that than Melanson being the guy.
0: Uh, I just as long think as he a, keeps pitching well. I just think he's a better pitcher than Melanson. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He he actually twelve really K per nine. Pagan. <laughs> he's <does>. really good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so those are some relievers to add. I I think it's time to to add Chris Bassett if you haven't already. He's seventy percent O and that's pretty high, but he's having a really good year. I mean, three sixty one ERA. 112 strikeouts and 119 and a third. And Bassett has San Francisco at home this week. So, you know, look, the Giants have obviously been better since the break, but they're still not a great lineup. So I like Bassett. And then there were three guys who are barely owned. And a big, big kudos to Scott White for one of them. Three guys who were barely owned that I think are worth a look. Tony Gonsolin, who went four and struck out only two at Atlanta today, but gave up one run and was great the previous start. And Dustin May's out,
2: so it Dustin, looks like Gonsolin's
0: going to have that spot for a while. Dustin May is in the bullpen. Logan Webb, uh, he is at Oakland this week. And Logan Webb, so he's on the Giants. And he gave up five, he gave up one earned run, two runs, one earned in five innings with seven strikeouts. And in the minors, he had a 185 ERA at, at like four stops this year in 64 and a third. So there's Logan
2: Webb. Only one of those starts was in the PCL, I should point out. But nonetheless, very good ERA for Logan Webb with
0: a little more than a caper inning. And Mike Montgomery for the Royals, six innings, one unearned run against the Mets. Only eight swinging strikes on 80 pitches, only three strikeouts. But he is at Baltimore this week. And these guys, Gonsolin's 12% owned. Logan Webb is 8% owned. Mike Montgomery's 14% owned. Kind of interesting. Now, Gonsolin, I will say, has the Yankees at home this week, so keep that in mind, but uh, kind of interesting.
2: Yeah, I'm probably... Montgomery is the one you were giving me kudos for. Yeah, I'm probably most interested in Gonsolin at this point. I don't know that it's clear Webb is going to make even one more turn and take even one more turn in the Giants rotation. Sean Anderson's coming back from the IL. We'll see. I mean, it's not like Sean Anderson's... Anybody they have to give a spot to. So we'll see how they that plays out. Um, Mike Montgomery, though, after two starts with good strikeout rate, high swinging strike total, kind of came back to earth in both regards. It was a good start, but three strikeouts in six innings, single-digit swinging strikes. It, most of the swinging strikes were on his cutter. Again, That that was a pitch he wasn't really throwing in relief, and it looks like his best pitch now. So that's reason to be encouraged, but... Um, in terms of interest level, even though it was another good start, he takes a step back for me with this one.
0: Okay, well, he does get the the Orioles, almost said the Ravens, but yeah, he gets yeah, the I mean, Orioles. Out, I, on the I road. didn't
2: drop him in anywhere. I picked him up. Uh, I mostly because those same leagues, I have Asher Wojciechowski, and he was easier to drop. <laughs> but yeah, uh, true. I'm not, I'm not. I wasn't exactly encouraged
0: All right. Today's sponsor is SeatGeek. Use the promo code Fantasy for ten bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. It is an awesome app. Makes it really, really easy to buy tickets. And you're going to hear more about it right now. We're going to take a quick break. And oh, actually, I want to tell you about something. Hold on. Hold on. Don't go anywhere. Because it's that time of year again. I am thrilled to tell you about the second annual Fantasy Football Today telethon that is airing this week. What is the second annual Fantasy Football Today telethon? Or I'm sorry. Uh, Yeah, no, I had it right. Fantasy Football Today Telethon. Uh, You might be wondering, what is it? Well, for six continuous hours on Thursday, starting at noon Eastern, our Fantasy Football Today crew and a plethora of guests will be answering your phone calls and dropping tons of fantasy knowledge to get you ready for your drafts. It is all hands on deck. We're going to have our Pick 6 crew. It's another great podcast. We have Danny Connell, Bryant McFadden, Roddy White, Eddie Lacy, Dwayne Bowe, These guys are all stopping by. We'll have our friends from the industry, like the fantasy footballers, joining the fun. It's going to be a great time. Most importantly, it is for a great cause. It's for St. Jude. The fantasy football today telethon. The fun begins at noon Eastern on Thursday on CBSSports.com, as well as through the CBS Sports app on your phone, your Roku, your Amazon Fire, or your Apple TV. Enjoy it, or uh, I think on CBSSportsHQ.com as well. So be part of the telethon. Help us out. We're we're getting uh, donations for St. Jude, a great, great cause. Now we're coming right back to give you some big news and more from around baseball.
1: If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, Now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework.
0: Big news. Chris Sale is on the I.L. with elbow inflammation. He may not pitch again this season, and he's going to see Dr. James Andrews. You know what, Scott? You know what's interesting? I didn't draft Chris Sale. Because I was worried about how his elbow would hold up. I only drafted him in one league, the one that that we share. But I had very big concerns about how his elbow was going to hold up. Mm -hmm. And I was right, baby. (laughs) He's on the IL. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm not really sure. And we don't know
2: the severity of this yet. I mean, it doesn't sound good, second opinion, with Dr. James Andrews. But there's a lot of different directions it could go still. Um, And I'm sure a lot of people are patting themselves on the back today. Yeah, but... I like in terms of the measurements we care most about, he was as dominant as ever this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, elite right, X FIP, right. elite FIP, mm-hmm. strikeout rate was, I think last year was the only one time he's had something better. FIP. Uh, love it's just Fip. the ERA was high. I mean, even the home run rate wasn't, it was high, but it wasn't like crazy high given some of the home run rates around the league. So, yeah, it was, it was, uh, I, I don't know other than the fact that velocity was down and of course there was report reports that was um at least somewhat by design. I, I don't know that there was a clear tip off of an injury here.
0: And maybe no, 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 I'm not blaming the injury for his performance. I yeah. just, you know there there's gotta be something to the fact that he had such a bad ERA. it, it couldn't have just been bad luck. You know? I mean it just couldn't. Well, he, start,
2: he got off on the wrong foot, clearly.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, that makes sense. I mean, a lot of this, a lot of that ERA is is the slow start he got off to because they were yeah. intentionally holding him back to keep him healthy for late in the year. So, I mean, I get that. All right, enough on Chris Sale. Fernando Tatis is likely out for the season. The Padres did call up Ty France, and I did pick up Ty France, but you know, so far he hasn't really done anything in his call. It's been very brief. But, uh, you know, how interested are you in France as we're looking for hitters to add? I've been hyping France,
2: I feel like, for a couple weeks now. Uh, I didn't really see this as his path to the lineup, but, like, this is even a more surefire one because it's not like he has Luis Arias breathing down his neck. He's just starting alongside him. Really interesting because he was like a 400-hitter France at AAA this year with almost 30 home runs. Like, just unbelievable numbers for... Uh, I won't say a non-prospect, but pretty close. Like, he's old. He wasn't really showing up in even, like, a top-ten list for the Padres' deep system, but still. Uh, not off to a great start. And we saw him, of course, earlier in the year in, like, a mostly a bench role and didn't do much then. But uh, like a guy puts up those kind of numbers, I don't care, PCL or not, he, he deserves a chance. And um, you know, deep leagues, I would be, I'd be taking a flyer on him for sure.
0: All right, so that is uh, Ty France. Give it a look. I picked him up in a twelve-team, thirty-man roster Roto League. Corey Kluber left a rehab start with abdominal tightness. Yeah. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. will not need to go on the IL. Max Scherzer is expected to start on Thursday. Johnny Cueto nearing a return. Nelson Cruz could be back on Monday. Sean Doolittle and Scott Oberg are both on the IL. Are you picking up a replacement in either Washington or Colorado's bullpen?
2: Well, Wade Davis had the red carpet rolled out for him and gave up three earned runs without recording it out tonight. So, yeah,
0: I know, it's ridiculous.
2: That's not good. Carlos Estevez pitched two innings after him, got the win. Um, also in that bullpen, they could go to Jake McGee, I guess, but it, it's it's not a great scenario. There's nobody I love there. Oberg's out for the year. I don't know if you mentioned that. Yeah, he's that, right. He's, Blood clot in his gone. arm. He's out for the year. Um, Nationals. This now it it uh, Dave Martinez made it clear that when. Ever do little is ready to go again, he's still the closer, right? Even though he's been horrible of late. They have a lot of potential alternatives, and since it might just be a short term absent, I don't know that there's really anybody worth sinking our teeth into Hunter Strickland, Daniel Hudson, Wander Sware uh, I believe. S
0: U E R I would I would get if I had a guess Wander Swero. I would think it's Hudson. That would be my Well first and then there's in Fernando states. Rodney. Yeah, he's been yeah. most
2: consistently working the eighth.
0: And he has been actually pretty good. His ERA is terrible, but he's he he's been pretty good lately. Finds his way <laughs> into save chances. Yeah, It's, it's crazy. <laughs> like he's going to be
2: 50 years old doing this.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but that hopefully that is short term. But Doolittle needs needs a little bit of a rest cuz he got rocked this weekend. Uh other bullpen news? Oh, two other news items real quick. Um Chris Woodworth, Rangers manager, is hopes, hoping to have Joey Gallo back for the last two to three weeks of the season. And if Carlos Carrasco returns this year, it will be as a reliever. Carlos Carrasco. Uh, speaking of relievers, just wanted to tell you that Felipe Vasquez has two saves since the All-Star break. That's no good. Taylor Rogers and Sergio Romo. Who's the closer there? Romo got a save on Friday. Rogers got a save on Sunday. And Rogers on Friday, he did pitch the eighth, and he faced the best hitters in the lineup, and yeah. then Romo got the save on on that night. So, who would you rather own, Rogers or Romo?
2: Oh, Rogers. I mean, he's better, uh, but it might be total matchups thing, like it was early on between Rogers and Blake Parker, even though Blake Parker was clearly inferior
0: and ultimately got DFA'd. If you want some saves and you're in a deep league, look at Matt Albers. He's barely owned, and Josh Hader's just been rough lately, man. He's, he's got six blown saves, and he has a 10.50 ERA in his last seven appearances. Albers could get a save here or there. Okay, Scott, here's a segment called, Guys I'd Consider Consider Dropping. Like I'm not going to consider <laughs> dropping them yet, but I will consider starting to consider them. dropping yeah. them. Yes. Okay. Max Fried, Joey Lucchese, and Chris Paddock. Okay. You want me to, um, want me to talk about it? I wouldn't even like,
2: I'd be fine dropping Casey, who had a pretty good start today. But, you know, I think like six swinging strikes, and it was only a second six-start effort in six inning. Yeah. Second quality start in his last seven starts. Effort, yeah.
0: And he has Boston this week. Scott and I have never really been a big Casey guy. And I, quite frankly, I, I haven't quite understood why his ownership percentage has been so high for most of the year. Casey's 84% owned. He has a 420 ERA a good but not great strikeout rate, and he he usually goes five innings, so I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah, that one's fine. Paddock, he's we're at, very close. He's out of gas. He's out of gas.
2: Yeah, he's... uh, Man, I have such great stats, but I just have so many notes from the weekend that I'm not finding them <laughs> in the moment. So, yeah, his last five starts, his ERA has gone from 270 to 344. Only two of those five starts were terrible. But still, he's... It doesn't have many innings left, clearly, mm-hmm. and he's got Boston this week, so yeah, you can't probably Maddie. not going to use him then. Uh, I mean, if you were really pressed and needed an extra something off the bench and just had nothing, you felt like I, I guess I could see it, but you don't. You'd hate to have it blow up in your face. Somebody else picks it up. He throws like a seven-inning, nine-strikeout gem or something against you. Sure. That stink. Max Freed's the one I really don't like he's he's over his previous career high in innings, but the Braves are not really showing any signs of shutting him down. And he's been he hasn't been the results haven't been great, but they haven't been bad. Like his last four starts, you know, they're yeah, not the good. kind you regret having good. in your lineup. Yeah, and I still feel like like Max Fried is going to be one of my top breakout picks next year because the peripherals are so much stronger than the actual numbers.
0: I love him. I, I I like him, but I I think he's a whip killer. He's a one three seven whip. So, you know, just uh, keep that in mind. One three seven whip a strikeout per inning, and um, yeah, he he. I I would dr- if I had to drop him, it'd go Lucasi, Paddock, Freed. In that order. Freed would be last on the consider, consider dropping list. But just want to let you know what yeah. I'm considering, considering. Okay, now you know. Most added. Gone through a lot of this. Uh, Joe Ross and Ivan Nova are the, two mo- are the two most added players, Scott. You don't really believe in them? No. I hope, I, I hope my opponent is starting Joe Ross or Ivan Nova this week.
2: Yeah, and somebody pointed out to me on Twitter that Nova has good matchups down the stretch. Not surprising. He's in the AL Central.
0: I could not care less. Yeah, (laughs)
2: it doesn't matter for a pitcher like him.
0: Aristides Aquino is number three on the most added list. He's he's almost 100% owned at this point, but something that's very important with Aquino. Scott, in his last six games, three walks, two strikeouts. It's only six games, but it's encouraging. It's encouraging.
2: That is interesting. Yes. Yeah. I don't know that it means much, but it's interesting. Glad you pointed it out.
0: Emilio Pagan, Luis Arias, Mark Melanson, Dylan Peters. Another guy you don't really believe in, right? Correct. Correct. <laughs> that is
2: correct. <laughs> yeah, in his case, like the success hasn't just seemed like a lot of Babbitt stuff going on. Like He's actually pitched well, I feel like, but no history of it.
0: One guy who hasn't pitched that well, but in terms of two star pitchers, who does have good matchups, Kobe Allard for Texas, traded from the Braves. He gets the Angels on Monday and the White Sox later this week. Although we have that start as Friday. There's no way that's true. It's got to be Saturday. But Angels mm-hmm. and White Sox for Kobe Allard. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, what do you think? Would you roll the dice? He's still, he's only like 25% owned.
2: No, he's not. He's not tiered among pitchers I would recommend in my two start pitcher rankings for this week. I do think he's kind of interesting and it might be, it might be my Braves bias showing a little here because he's been a prospect who I followed pretty closely since he got drafted, former first round pick. But he's just kind of taken an interesting path. Uh, Cause he lost velocity in the minors and his breaking ball seemed to get worse, but I don't know. Like his numbers were pretty good throughout, and the strikeout rate came up at AAA this year. The the uh, velocity came up a little bit most more recently, and he's looked okay. I, I'm I'm not using him yet. I just I just think he's I just think he's interesting.
0: All right. Is there anybody else on the most added list that jumps out to you? Steven Matz has two starts, but they're Cleveland and the Braves, so that's a little tough. But You know, you could do worse, I think. Um, I have not noticed that Kevin Pillar is doing well, but he's on the most added list. He had a two-homer game. Yeah, he's been hot. Every time Kevin Pillar gets hot, he will let you down. (laughs) You will not see me adding him. Uh, Adrian Hauser had a good start. Mike Yastrzemski had a three-homer game. Yeah. Was
2: it like, was I the only one who had this kind of like, uh-oh. Bizarro trippy feeling seeing yastrzemski hits three home runs like those headlines like I felt like this is this is what it might be This was this must be what it would have felt like to be my grandfather
0: (laughs) I mean, yeah, you are the uh, yeah, yeah, you're the
2: although Carl yastrzemski only had one three homer game But interesting So now they have equal number of three homer games like part of the thing, too, is like somebody has the three-homber game, and it's just like, whatever. Yep. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> no, but but actually, Estremsky hasn't been... He's I think he's been pretty good for a little while now, no? Let me see if I have some he's notes all right. on him. Especially uh, since, when they're on the road. Yeah, no, since the All-Star break, going into Sunday's game, he had a 312, 362, 664 slash line. So an OPS over 1,000 since the All-Star break. That's better than I would have thought. Um, yeah. I think he sits sometimes against lefties, though. Well,
2: I I, I think he's def- his numbers are definitely better on the road. I mean, it's hard to be a left-handed power hitter in San Francisco. So those would be, you know, outside of a deep five outfielder league, that would be the only time i consider using him.
0: They have five road games this week at the Cubs, at the A's, and two of them... Left-handed starters for Mike Yastrzemski. I'd rather pick up Ian Happ, I think. See where that goes. Uh, yeah. I'm more into him than you are. Uh, so, I'll give you a guy that you probably should not be into this week. He could have carried you one year a week this this current week. But, well, we're doing this on Sunday. Week 21. But week 22 won't be as good for Ryan McMahon. Ryan McMahon has nothing but road games and on the road this year, he is slugging 360, four homers in 49 games. So, yeah. really came through at home this week. Though. Oh, yeah. My goodness. Oh, yeah. He was awesome. And you know what? It's not a bad idea to pick him up and bench him because after this week, he's got a full week of home games in week 23. So, you know, you don't start McMahon this week, but if you want to pick him up and stash him and then get him back in your lineup, you know, that might that might work for you. All right. That's the most added list. Other hitters that I wanted to mention include Adam Eaton. He's 78% owned. He has been just outstanding. His last 35 games, he's been great. Only four homers, but seven steals in that stretch with 12 doubles and four triples. He's doing exactly what I was hoping Adam Eaton would do, but a little bit better. This is the hot streak, but a lot of doubles and triples, getting on base, and stealing bases, seven steals in 35 games. That's more than I would have anticipated. Uh, If you need a catcher, Danny Jansen's been better lately. James McCann hit two grand slams this past week, and he has a six-game hitting streak. And I am done talking about those hitters. One more break here on Fantasy Baseball today. We'll finish up the show with the starting pitchers from the weekend. We'll be right back.
1: The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now.
0: Well, there were 45 games that gave us 90 starting pitchers. <laughs> oh, so let's talk about all 90, Scott. That's a depressing way of putting it. Uh, yeah, It's that's, that's a lot of notes, man. The right. the, uh, the Monday show, a lot of notes. Studs yeah. being studs part one. Matt Boyd, very nice bounce back start. And Lucas Giolito. So, Giolito was great. What are you laughing at? The way he said Giolito. Giolito. Giolito has 182 strikeouts and 142 and two-thirds. He has a 114 whip. He has a 341 ERA. He's terrific. But he tends to struggle in tough matchups. He will be at Minnesota this week. The last time he faced the Twins, he... Uh, gave up seven runs the first time he faced them. He threw five scoreless innings. Second time he gave up seven runs, and he gave up three home runs to Nelson Cruz and four total. Do you trust Giolito in a one start week at Minnesota?
2: Yeah, I know. Like, I wouldn't be able to do any better. And like any any ace tier pitcher or just outside of that, I just don't. I just don't even mess with those.
0: Okay, what about Matt Boyd? Anything to say about him? He's, he's also at Minnesota this week, it seems.
2: Yeah, I mean, he hasn't been on the great run. It's basically been four dominant starts in a row for Giolito, which makes it easier to endorse him. And Boyd got throttled the two starts before this one. And home runs have been a really big problem for him. Of course, the Twins hitting a ton of home runs this year. I think Nelson Cruz will be back. Yeah, it's a little scary. I still like I'm not going to do it for sleeper du jour, you know, yeah, I'd have to have a deep pitching staff to consider benching Boyd. But I have one where, you know, I have six pitchers of more or less that same stature. Trevor Bauer, Lucas Giolito, Zach Greinke. Boyd's going to be the odd man out in that league this week.
0: Man, the Twins must be one of your favorite teams this week. Nova, Ronaldo, Lopez, Giolito. Well, I guess it's not that good. Nova, Ronaldo, <laughs> Lopez, Giolito, Matt Boyd, Edwin Jackson, Spencer Turnbull. I had nine nine teams with good matchups this week, and that's that's one of them. Their next their next thirteen games are either against the are against the White Sox and the Tigers, so that's fun. Studs being studs, part two. Masahiro Tanaka six and a third two runs against Cleveland following up eight scoreless at Toronto but where the heck are the strikeouts for Tanaka? He's got 116 strikeouts in 144 innings. he has 6 K's in 14 and a third in his last two starts. He's just not striking guys out. John Lester had a good start. he had six scoreless innings, but he did walk five and John Gray eight eight shutout innings with 7 Ks against Miami at home. Uh, anything to say about Tanaka, Lester, and Gray? Uh,
2: I don't really trust Tanaka because of the strikeout issue, and it doesn't seem like the splitter's really working for him. I would, you know, I would trust somebody like Max Fried over him right now. I would be looking for someone else if I was had been consistently filling a rotation spot with Tanaka. I'm not saying, I wouldn't like having him around for two start weeks, but it's not ideal to be starting him. I think you're playing with fire there. Um, Lester, the walks have been an issue for him lately, and obviously this was a good start in terms of results, but it, it has been a really rough stretch, and so the fact that he walked five still, not sure he's turned over a new leaf there. Uh, the Cubs pitcher I'm more in- most interested in is Jose Quintana, who had another dominant start today, game going on right now. Yeah. The night game, seven strikeouts and seven shutout innings after a huge strikeout game last time. And really, it's been like, how many good starts in a row? It's been
0: three or four, I think.
2: Four just awesome starts in a row. I wish I, you know, I don't have really many details on this yet other than he pitched well again. But uh, that's encouraging.
0: Okay, studs being duds, part one. James Paxton, four runs in five innings against Cleveland, and he allowed two more in the first. His ERA is over 11 in the first inning, and Paxton is at the Dodgers this week. I do not think I could start him. I really, well, I, think, I guess I would, but I wouldn't be thrilled about it. James Paxton. Luis Castillo was bad, really bad. Lance Lynn was bad. And Zach Wheeler was bad. I'm getting kind of tired of saying "bye, low Zach Wheeler" because now it's almost September. He has a 4.40 ERA. Um, and it's been just too up and down. Paxton, Castillo, Lynn, and Wheeler. Uh, Castillo's got to be the best in this group, right? Uh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So, so how would you rank Paxton, Lynn, and Wheeler?
2: Lynn, Wheeler, Paxton. Really? Yeah. Oh. The walks have been up for Lynn lately, which is a little concerning, but this was his first bad start in a while, and it was still three and runs, you know. Like so Lin's Lynn's pretty close to the ace tier, I feel like. Wheeler, like you said, very up and down, but that's just kind of the norm at starting pitcher.
0: And you know his ups are really high up. Would you start Paxton at the Dodgers or Wheeler against the Braves, both with tough matchups? Are they starts or sits for you? Uh, I would probably start both. I'd be more likely to sit. Uh, keep, I'd be more likely to sit Paxton than Wheeler. Studs being duds part two. Miles Michaelis, two terrible starts in a row after a good nine start stretch with a 2.67 ERA. Michaelis does get Colorado at home this week. That's good. And Kentomayeta. You know, I thought maybe he turned things around with his last start. He said he had a mechanical flaw and he adjusted it. But four and two thirds, five hits, three runs, four walks, nine Ks at Atlanta. Pretty bad start. He will either get Toronto at home or the Yankees at home this week. Never know what they're going to do with their rotation. Um, But Michaelis and Maeda, are they starts or sits for you? They're. I'd rather
2: not have to start them. I'd rather not have to start them, but they're in the mix if that's... That's the current state of my rotation, where I have to turn to guys I'd rather not start. I mean, they are among the higher end of that group. Right. I just have no idea what they're going to do, one start to the next, and it could be they could be virtually useless one week, or they could turn in a really good start, and um, that's frustrating. But that's that's what the majority of the starting pitcher position is like.
0: All right, Fringy starting pitchers part one, and this is actually going to be Fringy starting pitchers part one, part one, because we're going to separate them into two groups: Ryan Yarbrough, Zach Plesak, Mike Foltynewicz, and Chris Bassett. Yarbrough, who's just been amazing lately, Plesak, Folty, and Bassett. Uh, how would you rank them? And you know, they all have Folty. Like Folty, probably you can't start him against the Mets, but. Yarbrough, Plezak, and Bassett all have good matchups this week. Thoughts? Yarbrough's won. Yep.
2: Easily. Um, the way the strikeouts have picked up with the changeup, I mean, that's just that's just yet another reason to like him. The main reason to like him is just so good at throwing strikes. I think he has five walks in his last 13 appearances. I say appearances because a lot of times he follows an opener, but, you know, basically starts. Uh, I think I have that right. Five walks in his last 13. Um, good ground ball pit Like, he's he's really good. Okay. And he's more reliable than most of what you'll find out there. So, definitely number one. Fulton two. Really? Yeah.
0: Bassett, three. Plesak, fourth. Yeah, see, I, uh, I, I trust Plesak against Kansas City. I don't trust him against the Yankees. He was terrible against the Yankees. I don't trust mm-hmm. him against Boston. But against the Royals, I actually do think he's had one terrible start against the Royals. I remember watching it. It was on July 4th, and he was dripping with sweat because it was hot as hell. But yeah. I, don't, I still trust don't see what he does Fult- well. Um, I still think Yeah. Well, Fulton Evich, I mean... You know. Fulton hasn't done anything well all year. I, I understand. And, like,
2: he's fringy. Like, he deserves to be called fringy. But... Um, you know the slider was effective again and so basically the first start where he got good results and the third start swinging strikes were high slider was effective the middle start not so much mm-hmm. like there's enough there that unless i'm just completely set at starting pitching i'm going to i'm going to hold on and see where it goes and i know there's more upside here for you know, Pleasak or Bassett. I Bassett's kind of the same thing as Pleasak. I don't really understand what he does well. I understand it's been a good run here. But it, it kinda of reminds me of Merrill Kelly, where he had a good run like that earlier in the year and then just, you know, a string of disastrous starts followed. And I think that's very likely to happen for Bassett. It may already be happening for Pleasak. There just isn't enough uh, it isn't enough supporting what
0: Okay, all right, what they're, all right. When they're going well. I got gotcha. you. All right, Frenchie starting pitchers part one, part two. Joe Musgrove, Rick Porcello, Denelson Lamet, and Jeff Samarja. Musgrove, Porcello, Lemaitre, Samarja. See, I would take
2: Musgrove and Lamet over most of the previous group. Not over Yarbrough, but they're right in the same range as Fulton for me. Musgrove, um... You know, said he made some adjustments in terms of pitch sequencing leading up to this start. You know, obviously, he's had it rough recently. There's been some talk that maybe he throws too many strikes. But uh, he varied it to great success. And, and I think at his best, he's been really good. So Musgrove, I'm still interested in. Lamette would actually have, I believe, the sixth best swinging strike rate if he qualified. He would be right in between Lucas Giolito and Shane Bieber. And of course, the guys above that are like Garrett Cole and stuff. Like, right? Races,
0: so. But he's a five-inning pitcher.
2: Well, not on Saturday.
0: No, twice this year he's had a quality start. I think in eight starts. Coming but back for Tommy John surgery. Yeah, I mean, yeah, take but it that, at, that's I, I that's I how that the Padres that That's but that's the Padres. I mean, that's like I feel like yeah. that's how the Padres treat their pitchers. It's exactly yes. what I expect them to do with Lamet, because I'm such a genius. So, uh, fringy starting pitchers, part two. <laughs> jordan yamamoto not bad at colorado this weekend alex wood pretty much done with him griffin canning had an amazing start on on sunday against texas seven innings one run eight eight strikeouts texas is in a funk unfortunately canning has one start this week and it's at houston anibal sanchez i'm pretty much done with him two quality starts in his last six aaron Savale is pretty interesting um Mm -hmm. four straight starts of six innings and zero to two earned runs Against Detroit, Texas, at Minnesota, and at the Yankees. This I don't really get it with him. He's got a low swinging, really low swinging strike rate. Not a big ground ball pitcher, but the results yep. have been good for Savale. Well, he I
2: hasn't know. given up a home run yet for not being wow. a good ground
0: ball pitcher. That's
2: that wow. makes me nervous about Savale. The fact that he's back under a strikeout per inning now. I don't know. I've I've you know I've I've touted him after his. Previous starts, because there was nobody else to tout, and I needed pitching too, and okay. Here's this guy, pretty decent numbers in the minors this year, doing well. But the more I see of him, the less optimistic I am.
0: Sure. All right, Savali. So is there anyone you like? Yamamoto, Alex Wood, Griffin Canning, Anibal Uh, Sanchez, Aaron Savali, Tanner Roark?
2: I mean, Canning's let us down a lot, but I still like the skill set. And, um, you know, he's down to 51% ownership, which is surprising that it's fallen that far. Should it be that low? I mean, I, I just put in a claim form him in one of our leagues. Okay. Uh, I, I'm not over Alex Wood. obviously. I don't think you should use him right now, but what's been the problem for him is home runs. And that's not really what should be the problem for him. He's a good ground ball pitcher normally. And so, you know he gets that figured out i think he's going to be okay and maybe he doesn't get it figured out but there's there's more upside there than i think uh i think a lot of what you could replace him with
0: right i would i would be much more interested in him in him you know in june just kind of tough right now yeah i understand and i feel bad because i just feel like i'm not helpful really helpful because i I feel like I don't like any pitchers. it's just, maybe no, it's, it's just been a thing lately where it's, there just haven't been the ones that I get excited about, but I just can't get behind some of these pitchers. I don't trust them. No, that's, I think that's the right approach is like,
2: first of all, put yourself in a position where you don't have to, but few people can do that. Certainly yeah. now the trade deadlines passed. I mean, that ship has sailed. Um, Every single one of them is just you're hoping to avoid getting uh, you're hoping to avoid them getting sabotaged by home runs, just blindsided by a massive home run game. And it just
0: feels random at times. Fringy starting pitchers. Part three. These guys are 30 to 49 percent own. Dylan Cease, Merrill Kelly, Mitch Keller. Anthony DiSclafani, Jake Junis, Yusei Kikuchi, and Vince Velasquez. Velasquez is at Miami this week, so that's nice. Kikuchi just threw a complete game shutout at Toronto, and that's who he gets this week. They will hopefully have Vlad back for this matchup. Jake Junis, Anthony DiSclafani, Mitch Keller, Merrill Kelly, Dylan Cease. Anyone you were interested in there? Not really. I mean, Jake Junis,
2: 6 of 8 quality starts. That's impressive, but... I don't see much evidence that he's a better pitcher all of a sudden.
0: Yeah, at Cleveland, too. Not really feeling that.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's still, you know, Keller, Mitch Keller has upside. um, But we just, you know, yeah, we haven't seen enough of him to really know how it's going to go. But it's been very up and down the little we have seen of him.
0: I like the stuff. I was watching a little bit tonight. I was watching a little bit last time he started. Uh, You know, again, if it were June, I'd be pretty... Interested in Keller. I actually still am going to stash him in at least one league, but there's no way I'm starting Mitch Keller. I'm
2: interested in seeing how say Kikuchi finishes the season because he's been so bad this year, obviously. Two of his last three starts have been great. And, you know, the one in between was a terrible start against the Tigers. So, you know, <laughs> I don't know that it necessarily means anything that two of the last three have been great. But he's made some changes recently. He eliminated the double leg kick. And um, just, you know, I, I, I do think there's ability there, obviously. It's just learning to pitch in a new environment that's really hard for anybody to pitch in. I can imagine that it has something to do with his struggles.
0: Okay, let's Better go to the delivery. deep leagues. That was
2: the, other, the change he made.
0: Let's go to the deep leagues. By the way, very mad at Anthony Scalfani for getting a win the other night and knocking me out of a fantasy league. Uh, Own in less than 30% of the league, Sandy Alcantara, Mike Montgomery, Tony Gonsolin, Logan Webb, Stephen Brault, very nice start against the Cubs on Saturday, Adrian Hauser, Jacob Wagespach, and Patrick Sandoval.
2: Yep, yep. I'm kind of interested in Gonsolin, kind of interested in Montgomery, kind of interested in Logan Webb if he sticks around. Um, and not totally disinterested in Patrick Sandoval, who I think has a good changeup, but obviously his last two outings mm, didn't really do much for him. So, definitely talk in deeper league context here, with the exception of maybe Gonsolin, and at least in a points league where you can take advantage of his relief pitcher eligibility, maybe not. May- maybe Montgomery.
0: Well, thank you for letting me fill in on, the, on uh, Chris Welsh's show. Very <laughs> much... <laughs> Now, actually, looking forward to getting Chris back. He's doing an awesome job. I really enjoyed the Friday podcast. It was excellent. So, good job. Kudos to Scott and Chris there. And thanks so much, everybody, for listening. It's good to be back. I will talk to you tomorrow. And so will Scott. Until then, have a great night, everybody. Or, actually, you're listening in the morning. So, have a great day, everybody. See ya.